This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Name Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and this week it's a very special East Lanx Derby victory edition. Clarets, are we ever going to get over Sunday? Have you stopped smiling yet? Have you stopped running around singing you are beep, beep, beep to people in blue and white? Have you stopped singing the sorority earworm? Have you Just how are you feeling, Clarets? Get on board. Before we start this week's podcast, we want, just keep it coming. You know, the, the, the euphoria on Twitter's dried up a bit over the last couple of days as we've all calmed down. Let's not make it stop. Keep it coming. Let us know how you are feeling a few days on after that victory. I am joined this week by two members of our analysis team. We have got Tom Whitaker and George Poole. And we are going to dive straight in. Turf Moor, Sunday the 11th of November 2022 shall forever be known as the day that the Clarets finally showed that lot up down the road for what they are. Miles, miles, miles behind us. Tom Whitaker, let's start with you. Um, kick us off. How are you feeling? Thanks for mentioning the uh, Zorori earworm because I think I just got it out of my head about five minutes before Sorry. we started. Well, if it's in mine, it's in yours as well. That's how this team works. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, what an amazing day. Like, like you say, I think it's not just that we beat them. Um, obviously, we beat them a few times in a row now, but it's the fact that we absolutely battered them. Like, they were so bad. We were fantastic. Uh, it was like, you know, uh, you scrappy-do, uh, you know, swinging yes. his fist. <laughs> didn't get near us, didn't lay a glove on us. You know, all the big talk before the match, oh, we'll be swinging balls in the box. Murich won't be able to cope. I mean, Murich, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that fire didn't wake him up. Man, he didn't have anything to do. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, fantastic. Just a brilliant day. Just so much fun to actually. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, George, it's interesting what you were saying there about the Scrappy-Doo thing, because for me, whilst a lot of the national media are reporting that the first half was a relatively tight affair, I'm not sure it was that tight, to be honest, I was feeling pretty comfortable at half-time. I think the writing was on the wall for me at half-time, seeing their players practically crawl off the pitch at half-time. We had run them ragged for 45 minutes. They'd not had... It was something like 74, 79% possession or something in the first half. And they looked like they didn't want to come out for the second half. So it was, I think at that point, we kind of knew it was just a matter of time. 
Yeah, you could tell at half time, exactly like you say, it was going to be the first thing I brought up as well. In that, it saw the story of our season in a, in a lot of ways. And company mentioned it after the game. In that, most of our goals are scored like between the fiftieth and the seventieth minute, I believe. It's something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's because we just tire teams out. We 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 pass the ball so well, but obviously teams set up to try and just defend against us. And that was that was one of the things that I found most peculiar about the weekend i i watched that james olcott's like a uh, preview video for the game and he was talking about how blackburn like to press under thomason he thought they'd you know really come at us and just try and like try and you know really bring that intensity of a derby but they didn't they just sat off us let us play our football in the first half almost like they wanted to just be a counter-attacking team but in doing so they were chasing the ball for 45 minutes and it it t- it turned out at half time. You could tell there was just there was something in the air when they were walking down the tunnel. They looked absolutely cream crackered. Meanwhile, the Burnley players were uh, a couple. I think it might have been Sorori, the man in a moment, who was running down the tunnel and 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 you know, and he was he was pumping the crowd up as he was going off at half time. Like you could tell, you could tell we were on top of them. So it was no surprise that in their second half we went and and did what we did. So yeah, the writing was on the wall, like you say. Yeah, definitely. And that's interesting you said. I'm going to stick with you for a little while, George. I'm going to stop you from opening that file that Tom Whitty has just put in chat because that's what I was laughing at when you were on mute. Um, you talk about strategy and you talk about, you know, that that first half sticking 11 men behind the ball and just giving us that freedom. For me, that showed a real... I don't even know if it's naivety or just downright negligence from their manager who literally just seven days ago had been given a free 45-minute masterclass on what our weaknesses were. And literally, not at no point in that game did they ever try and exploit that. And you can understand why their fans must be utterly, utterly furious. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, And it wasn't just, it wasn't just the way they set up, like not pressing and just sitting back. It was the whole... It was it was the body language. It was everything. They just didn't seem to understand, and I'm including Thomason very much in this. Mm. None of them seemed to understand what this game was about. So I was listening to because um, we went home after the game and watched all three hours of Sky's coverage back. Oh, <laughs> straight I've done the same. Away, Twice. Straight away, and um, and watching Thomason's Thomason's interviews before the game and then after the game, it was just so. It was so lackadaisical. After the game, he, he was talking more about. You know what? You know what's more, what's to come. He didn't show like an ounce no. of regret or oh, I'm I'm really sorry to the fans. Like this, you know, this is I don't know how big this game is. There was none of it. It was it was almost like oh, it's just another game. You know, we'll re- we'll respond to this. There was there was no urgency. There was no passion, and you you could tell they didn't understand what this game was. Neither the players nor the manager, and that 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 came to came to fruition on the pitch. In that there was really. There was no urgency, like you mentioned there in the the way they set up. Sheffield United showed everyone how to go at us. Yeah. Now, not every, not every team's got the quality of Sheffield United to relentlessly attack us like that. But simple thing like Ben Brereton Diaz, fair enough, he plays off the left, but he's absolutely massive. Vitinho doesn't fancy a scrap at right back. Just launch the ball up to him yeah. a few times, but they didn't they didn't do it at, at, at all. I remember when we used to put Barnes on the left wing for you know a month's period in 2015, I think, and he did Ooh, against City. Don't remind me of that. And, 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 and we, used to, <laughs> we used to we used to nail it to that left wing, and he'd run off the left wing and head it back into the middle. But there was none of that from Blackburn, and it, no. it was naive, it was stupid, and 
it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, it was. It was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, Tom, that's a really good point, actually. And I think if you look at the complaints and the disappointment coming out of their set of fans, the common theme amongst them all is that their manager just did not get it. Um, Their players never looked up for it. There was no, in the build-up, he didn't hype it. On the con, in the contrast to that, though, VK absolutely got it. And I felt that the build-up to the game, the narrative that he decided to put out there about how important it was, he managed to strike this really genius balance of stressing the importance on the players, what it means to the fans, but keeping a lid on tempers and professionality. Professionality, that's not a word, professionalism. And also letting the fans know that they had our backs. And I think that was the difference between the managers. Yeah, I really like what he said before the game about um, in a derby, the, the crowd and the players have got to feed off each other. Because um, it's a debate you hear quite a lot, you know, is it yeah. the crowd and the players going or vice versa? And and he, I think he was right, you know, and it, it is like that in a derby. Um, and we saw it, you know, Blackburn fans were quite loud for the first 20 minutes. He didn't hear a word out in, in the second half. And that's because they were getting absolutely nothing from their team on the pitch. Whereas in contrast, you know, the turf was rocking. As you say, it wasn't just that we're a much better team and we obviously are a much better footballing team. I mean, watching them try and play out from the back, it was like watching a dog try to do long division. It was just like, what? <laughs> why, why on earth are you telling them to do that? Because clearly you don't have players that are capable of doing it and we're just hunting in packs, picking them off. Um, so, but as you say, not only was it the, the fact that we're miles better than them at football, which obviously always helps in a football match, we actually we <laughs> won as well. Um, we mentioned before when we, me and George were talking in our preview, uh, and I mentioned uh, Andy Wharton, who's who's a really sort of well thought of young player. Yeah. Um, they're both Blackburn fans to come up through the academy. Scott didn't get on. Um, I'm told he's their best ball playing centre back as well. So if you are going to try and play out from the back, you think you'd have picked him. Um, and Andy. Why on earth didn't they? Just so strange. Like I really, and I think it comes back to what you said about just not understanding the derby. And maybe he's doing a you know, trying to be too clever and, and overthink it a bit. Whatever it was, it was bizarre, but it was. <laughs> I'm glad he did it because, uh, you know, it turned what could have been quite a close second v third encounter into a game that looked like, you know, it looked like we were playing a... Well, I'll tell you what, we played Crawley earlier in the week. Crawley, and I'm not, this isn't some, you know, banter or whatever. This Crawley gave us a better game than Blackburn. Yeah, they Crawley's did. better. It causes more problems. They look more up for it. Um, yeah, it was like it was like a reserve game for Blackburn, and, and yeah, we absolutely dominated. Yeah, it really was. That's such a good point, and it is really difficult to put out this content because we you have to be aware that we have an obvious and a subconscious bias towards that. A lot of course we do. They're our fiercest rivals, so I completely get that there might be eyebrows raised with things that we say, but genuinely, genuinely they are up there with one of the worst sides that I've seen play. How they're in third place, I do not know. Um, I put the, I put the very similar to Swansea, just really toothless. Like Swansea came, it wasn't, at least they had a game plan, but they didn't really have any substance. They had no fight in them. Um, and they were just getting, they couldn't, they were chasing shadows and they just, they, I guess at least them lot down the road were a bit more disciplined in that Swansea were just dragging us down and trying to catch all the shirts because they were frustrated. But it was a still that level of toothlessness about them that just it was it was embarrassing. Um and I think for a derby as well if you're a Blackburn fan, probably what you want to do if you're getting battered on the pitch is at least have a bit of, you know, at least yeah. fouling. You know I mean, I think that's really frustrating when you watch it. Like when we used to just like Man City used to pass around his five nil and, and we didn't even at least kick him, do you know what I mean? If the, at exactly. least 
and yeah. like you know there's a Lee Williamson is like a Blackburn legend because he fouled Danny Ings in one of the derbies and, and got him a draw so you know I did I thought that as well you know I thought at least Swansea you know, Kevin Ball is still a Burnley yeah. hero for sending yeah. David Dunn into space. So, yeah, you know, it's... Exactly. So, you know, they could have at least um, shown you a little bit of fight in that sense. Obviously, I'm not condoning kicking people off the park, but I was surprised... Yeah, they weren't safely kicking. Foul safely kicking. Fouling yeah. them. Yeah, if you can do it safely and it's just a, a, a professional foul, take one for the team. It's like, just at least give those fans just that, that bit of a, yes, come on, get it. You want to see that they're getting stuck in them and they didn't. They had no fight. Oh, it was... So glorious to watch. It was wonderful. And I think I think the biggest thing for me, George, and you probably get this as well from a fan perspective, is the scale of the superiority over them was very much reinforced when you look on social media and you looked at their hashtags and you look at what their fans were posting online. Save for the odd one, the vast majority of their fans were on there saying, wow, that was horrible. That was painful. No fight. We were miles behind them. I can't believe how much better they were than us, et cetera, et cetera. I know how difficult that would be for me to admit that on a public forum, even if it was true. So that to me was a very telling sign just how big a dif- uh, just how big the, the golfing class was. It was just it was monstrous, weren't it? There, there was no there wasn't like um there was no grey area on Sunday. Everyone knew what had just happened. There was no Oh well, you know, you got a bit lucky. Uh, you know, that second goal fell to him. If it could have gone anywhere, you know, we could have got back in the game. Or oh, we should have scored that chance. You know, when when we beat them two one, and we mentioned me and Tom last week that it should have been two 0 Rovers after twenty minutes, and Jordan Rhodes hit the post. Hit the balls. That was, was a there, defining moment. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And there was there was there's absolutely none of that. They had literally one shot all game. And the thing is, I remember when that shot happened because it was Bereton Diaz cutting in off the left and striking with his right. I was thinking. Golly gosh, we better not let that happen again. That was it. That was the moment. We're like, yes, that's what you need to do. Yeah, I was like, that's the game plan. And I was like, we looked a bit shaky there. I'm I'm concerned. Never happened again. There was just, there was absolutely no grey area for Rovers fans to to even, to to, to provide any excuses. So from from my friends who are Blackman fans, there was just pure silence. They didn't mention anything. It was like the game had never happened uh, conveniently enough. But yeah, it was men versus boys. And it was reminiscent of when we went there in the League Cup. Uh, in 2017 and at that point we were a Premier League side going for seventh and they were League One side and you could put both them games on a screen next to each other and the the difference between both teams was basically the same in in either encounter so yeah it was just it was men versus boys and obviously we're going to talk about it in a bit but it was my feeling it's where it was the midfield where that that yeah that's that's definitely where I'm heading next I want to go somewhere else before I head to the midfield but we'll come on to that in a minute um yeah similarly my old oldest friend from from school who uh we did the BBC Radio Lancashire Friday night show um she was bleating a lot of crap about how they were superior and how the bigger better club than us which I laughed at on air and she actually to be fair she didn't contact me but I did message her this morning but I wasn't I was nice I just basically said you know how are you feeling a few days later now the dust has settled been there many times it absolutely sucks and she just like literally replied like Ugh. <laughs> like what? it's like I'm gonna leave you alone not gonna do this but yeah it's uh oh it's so lovely um Tom before we do move on to the the midfield wonder um that George mentioned a minute ago I want to start where I think we all need to start, and that is Sir Ashley of Barnes. 
we knew it was a blow. Well, we thought it was going to be a blow, as it turned out, when Jay didn't make it. There was a bit of a ripple pre-game. That, and I think for him being a Burnley lad as well, he would have loved to have played in that fixture, but he was gutted on that bench. Um, once Jay didn't make it, absolutely for me, without hesitation, even with his poor form and a few doubts about him, Bonds was the right choice over Nathan Teller to start that game. Do you agree or were you pleasantly surprised and thought the opposite? Yeah, I think I'd have rather have had um, Rodriguez starting for sure. But we saw at Sheffield United last week, Teller, he's not a centre forward. You know, I think we need a bit more presence up there if we're missing Rodriguez. Um, Barnes, he's had some really poor games in the league. I've, uh, I've certainly been very critical of him on this podcast. Uh, and lest we forget it was his first league goal for 18 months, I think. But um, He played well against Crawley. Um, he looked like mm. he was getting back into, you know, more up to speed with the way we're playing. And and I think what really stood out against Blackburn, obviously he took his goals really well, especially the header. But I mentioned before about Blackburn not having any fight. And, and he really was, he did seem to be the player on the pitch that really got the derby feeling more than anybody else. Um, you know, it was just little snidey little things like as as we've uh, we've come to know and love from him, like you know going for a fifty fifty with the keeper and just giving him a bit of a shove. Obviously, when he when he scored <laughs> into the net, <laughs> make sure to keep going in the net as well and stuff like that. You love to see that, and that's that's exactly what Blackburn players didn't have. You know, there was none of that needle, there was none of that aggression, and and not I'm not again I'm not saying aggression in a Kevin Ball way, just aggression in a you know you're on our turf. It's not going to be a comfortable afternoon for you. He just really seemed to get that. He was sort of channeling the fans onto the pitch, I, f- I felt, in the way he played. And obviously, combine that with with, uh, with some ability and uh, and a couple of goals. And, and yeah, it was, it was brilliant to see. And I'm really pleased for him because he's been at the club a long time. And it's, you know, and again, you know, oh man, I've been critical of him and I don't think it's been unjustified. Um, but, for a guy who's been here as long as he has, um, you know, it's it would be sad to think of him going out on a low. So, yeah, you know, whatever else happens now for the rest of his Burnley career, I think he's really cemented his place there yeah. as a Burnley performance. Yeah, I think that's that's fine. And I think throughout the whole game, George, he looked a little bit less chaotic than than he has been recently. He reminded me of the season that we finished in Europe when he when we were saying that his his technical ability had finally caught up with his physical ability and his his you know his his needle essentially and it just for just for one game he reminded me of that season it reminded me very much of his performance at West Ham away that season and just that it wasn't all elbows yeah he was you know he was physical but he was strong he wasn't clumsy he wasn't aggressive yeah he shoved the keeper into there but that was funny um but it was just a very I thought it was a very professional performance from him. And to be fair, the goals that didn't go in his strikes were equally as important as stunning, sorry, not important, stunning. Yeah, it was fantastic, weren't it? And like like Tom says, I you know, for him no matter what, what happens now, whether he leaves at the end of this season, whether that's him finished, um, you know, at the end of this season, if we go up, maybe company thinks, right, it's time to, you know, maybe go to another striker uh, to move him on because I think his contract might be up. Whatever happens now. This game will be long remembered, and he'll he'll leave his head head held very high indeed. And for someone that I've like, I've barely criticised him. Like I love the guy, like a massive fan. Just to watch on Sunday was so so amazing because all of us, no one's really ever doubted like the effort put that he puts in. No, but I've just felt some of the criticism has been so 
vindictive and personal and a lot of it's on social media where people can just say what they want and it's been so it's just been out of bad taste for me so to see you know Sunday happen and for him to have like one big moment in in the limelight was just fantastic and the way he the way he went about it it wasn't just that he scored two goals it was the whole game I think it was at half time that me and Rich were messaging each other and Rich you know as we know has been like critical of Barnes but he was like even Rich agreed with me that he'd been really good in the first half. And it was one, it was nil-nil obviously at that point, but it was his pressing from the front that made, that the defenders were struggling with. It was him getting involved in the game and you could just sort of tell the writing was on the wall. And one thing I will mention, which is interesting that I hadn't considered, obviously we, we, we've, there's been poor form from Barnes this season, but someone mentioned on social media that he, he, you know, he's having to play up front on his own, which he hasn't particularly done before. He's much better in a two up front. Yeah, that's And true, in the actually. second half, the second half, obviously we scored the opener, but then Teller came on and we scored the, the, the other two goals. When Teller came on, we basically changed to a 4 4 2. Teller was playing as a striker alongside Barnes, which has been the case in recent weeks. And it might just be the, it might just be the case that Barnes has got up to speed with company's system. He's yeah. flourished when Teller's come on and they play two up front. It's not necessarily the fact that he, you know, he's, he's over the hill. Maybe he's just adapted to the system and now. And I think you could tell that he'd taken a lot of confidence from the Crawley game and just getting his shooting boots back on. So, yeah, it was just absolutely fantastic to see and I couldn't have wished it for anybody else. Yeah, I think you want to be looking at reviewing your social media uh, followers, by the way, George, because I'm not entirely sure that I've seen that much abuse in him that's been personal and vindictive. I think I think there have been legitimate questions about his technical ability. Um, and I think those I think those are sound. He is one of the older players in the squad. Um, and I think he he's never been the most technically gifted player we've got, but he's had other skills that he brings, which for a decade suited us really, really well. Um, I think for me, he's still not first choice. I, I I don't want him to be starting. I don't think that's appropriate. But I think I think Tom, what the realization was for me on Sunday was that perhaps as Burnley fans, we just got ourselves a little bit arrogant when it came to Ashley Barnes, and a few of us had suddenly decided that we've got this fancy new manager and Zorori and Benson and all of these Brazilian and Belgian tricky wingers, and we play this beautiful free flowing football now. And Ashley Barnes is just a dinosaur, and he's from an age, and we're too good for him now. Whereas actually in the championship, um, every now and again, you just need that brute force of a physical target man who can put it about. And Sunday was that game. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, um, in the games that he's played prior, I don't think he has shown a lot of kind of ability as a target man. You know, I was at Sunderland away. And the mm. ball was just bouncing off him like, you know, he didn't Out hold it up mm. challenges. Don't know if it's fitness, form, what. But like I say, he's not, it's not that he's he's had a bad few games under company and, and, and that was his first good one. It's He's had, the last couple of seasons, he's not been the player he was. I think it's obvious that he's on the decline. Um, so, but certainly part of it, I think you can probably say that he doesn't, he fits into company style a lot less than he did Dyche's. Um, yeah, and perhaps this was the fixture where uh, you know we needed a little bit more uh, dicing than than we have in in previous games. I think probably also fair to say that um, that kind of physical presence and and uh, and the sort of dark arts of the game we've lacked in in some of the fixtures earlier in the season. Now we've got Benson and Zorori firing. We don't seem to be having as many problems. But if you think of games like Hull 
Blackpool, Stoke, you know, these games where we drop points in, at home, where we've just struggled to break teams down or, you know, we've just we've, we've sort of let the, the flow of the game go against us. These are probably games where someone with the tech, with the sort of skill set of Barnes at his peak, and I'm not saying that he was at his peak for those games, and maybe that's why I missed them, but, uh, you know, and Ashley Barnes playing like he did on Sunday might have made a difference in those games as well. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think I, I said after the Sunderland game, I, I we don't see him again, but he's proved me, you know, I, I'm happy to read my words there, he's proved me wrong, and I think he's proved that he has got a place in the squad for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think that's fair. 
yeah, the um the the, the second goal was the one where he like hooked it back over his head for Barnes to volley. Is that the one and where it came off his back? Was the back the third, the third one? one? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh. So casual, just a little spin off his back, and then Brownell just casually like flicks it around. You know, just like Brownell off. So I'll give him some credit as well. Just <laughs> you know, cuts it back. Yeah, it was it was uh, as the champ that says, you know, we're taking the uh, Michael. Yeah, the, the Michael. I bet. No. I better warn. I better warn producer Matt that we might need a few of his bleeper buttons. This episode. <laughs> it's very hard, listeners, not to say the words. Just the name of the team for a start is a bit big swear word. I've been mean, having to say them a lot all episode, and I'm, uh, I do. I do enjoy a good swear. So this is this is challenging. Um, yeah, it was. It was just. It was just so. And it's always nice when it when you're not just beating your rivals and you're playing so well. You to just do it in to be taking the Michael as well and to do it in such to humiliate them well is particularly pleasing. And I love the I love the generational um the sort of the the generational blending of the team at the moment. Um in the it it's sort of very apparent apparent when uh, Burnley tweeted say the the new iPhone wallpapers that they'd made up for people to save and you know put as their backdrop backdrop on their phone. Yeah. And there was there's one where Brown it's Brownhill uh, Brownhill hugging Barnes of 2014 when obviously Barnes uh, did the assist for Danny Ings at, at Ewood in 2014 and then the other one was Barnes and Zorori from obviously the weekend and we've just got that lovely balance in the squad of players yeah. who have been troopers for us for the last 10 you know last last decade you know Ashley, I'm thinking of Ashley Barnes and Jack Cork in particular and then you've got these new wonder kids in Zorori you've got this new generation coming through and they're both blending together so nicely. I mean, we could wax lyric about wax lyrical about those goals all night. That cross from Zorori was unbelievable. Watching it, and it was it's funny because I actually thought un- until that moment, until him being pushed into the the advertising boards, he'd been quiet. He'd been stopped really yeah. well by by um, the lad who they put at right back, who's usually a midfielder, I believe. But they put him at right back specifically to counter it, and I thought they were doing a cracking job. Zorori had basically beaten no one all day, and it just seemed to it just snapped something in his head when he got pushed into the thing. It was like, right now, I'll show you. And as he and as he received the ball, the chap a couple of couple of seats down from me said, oh, he's, "He's not done it. He's not got past him all night. Oh, oh, sorry, all day. I wonder if this will be the you know, will this be the finally the time?" And then he gets past him and to to put a crossing like that with his left foot, and then obviously. You were talking about the the teller flicks and back back passes uh, for the second and third goals. They were just incredible, and I think there's there was so much quality to like in that third goal. You had that teller little cheeky back back pass, and then you had Brownhill just flicking it over the man, putting it in the box. But then not to forget Barnes is rolling it. He could have quite easily tried to hit that first yeah, time. But he, he let it roll across him in anticipation of the defender jumping out to it it was it was really really good quality and to, to see Ashley Barnes score any goal uh, is amazing but to see him score against the bastards is amazing as well sorry talk sport there we are hang on a second <laughs> Time 30, stamp that. 30 minutes <laughs> I need to tell Matt that we've got a, a believer honestly George I was only um, doing that because of the brilliant interview that he gave to BBC I was just that's where I was going next I was like to the point where <laughs> is that is that a mock-up or did that actually happen no that happened yeah so nobody's dubbed over it. I just no, that yeah, it happened. <laughs> I can't, it, 
seemed to me like somebody had dubbed that and it was just one of those legendary like viral things that went on social media but didn't actually happen. Um right, where are we going next? Uh Tom, where are we going next? Midfield. Jack Cork, Josh Brownhill, Josh Cullen. Thou shalt not pass anywhere through central midfield. And if we do, we're just going to take it back off you. Split second. Best performance from our central midfield of the season? Yeah. Again, it was just wanted it more. Tigerish all over the pitch. Uh, you could tell Brownhill is another player who really gets it in terms of like, yes. you know, being up for a derby. I think he really interacts really well with the fans. Um, he was he was excellent. Um it's amazing having a good midfield because I think that's what relegated us last year is probably had one of the weakest midfields in the division and yet we seem We're to the same players. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. And, uh, obviously it helps being in a division lower but I think they're using Brownhill better than Dyche did. Yeah, they um, are. a really good player. I feel like one of his best games on uh, on Sunday and he, uh, he's, uh, he's coming into a bit more form again. Yeah, it was brilliant. Again, just, just all over the pitch we ran all over him but they um, they just you know, like so they're trying to play through the thirds, and it's like, why don't you just go over? Because you're not getting around any of them. You're not winning anything all day. Um, I know they had to take the big lump off and put a kid on who didn't get in the game, but like when he was playing first off, there was a moment where he won a header on the and flicked it on, and Brereton, you know, he didn't didn't go go anywhere with it, but he was winning headers, and you think Brereton did have to win headers as well. So yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not complaining there because it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but literally, it's very hard just to pinpoint anything from this game. It's just like it was just great. It was so great. Uh, so we've done defense, midfield, attack. We've sorted them out. Uh, anything else? Uh, well, on the midfield, go? on the midfield, I think we should point out Josh Cullen in particular. Yeah, he now, was No, I just think he's, he's he's a superb player. Like Tom mentioned then, they were trying to play out from the back, which, okay, I do get it, fair enough. Like, Thomason's clearly tried this all season. Sometimes it's worked for them. It's clearly a, a, a blueprint he's trying to implement on that squad. You know, it didn't, it didn't, not to compare the two sides, but it didn't work for Guardiola in the first season at City. He got laughed at. Why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. But by the second season, with a couple of different players, that that emphasis was on the squad, so you you could tell why he's trying to do it, trying to do it. But the point at which it fell down was what getting it from the defense to midfield because the midfield was in another world. It was it was men versus boys in there. They couldn't cope with Cork and Cullen winning the ball back at every opportunity. Yeah, and then when we won the ball back, those triangles for Cork, Cullen, Brownhill, and then not to not to forget the our two centre halves as well because they start so many attacks and they ran through the Blackman midfield just at will at the weekend. Uh, just so good to watch. But Josh Cullen is an incredible player. And today he's just been announced as Ireland's uh, player of the year, which is you know, a nice thing to mention. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and, he, and he gave an, an, an interview, which was quite good to the Irish Times. Um, where I've seen a cu- couple of quotes from it where he said, you know, this time I, I'm really enjoying my football here and I'm learning and I'm learning many things. And I feel like if we do get promoted, I can, I can go to the Premier League and cut it there. And I just think there's absolutely no doubt about it. He he is the future of that midfield if if we can keep hold of him. It, it is an interesting point that you did raise there, George. And, and Thomas is something that I am worried about. It's it's very Burnley fan, is this? But with success and with an amazing manager and players like that, you always, as a Burnley fan, have that horrible sinking feeling that they're not going to be around for very long. And there's, there is a few players in our squad where you just think. And the manager, where you just think, "Oh, we are not going to have them for long. This is a short, this is a short-term happiness." 
Yeah, we kept hold of the dice for so long because you weren't trendy, but yeah, the, the the players that we've got now are sort of very modern. You can see other clubs being interested. I think though, um, probably one of one of the, the reasons that we eventually got relegated was because we didn't make enough use of bringing these players through. You know, we got Keane for a couple of mil, sold him for twenty five. Tarkovsky we got for three mil. We could have got you know twenty thirty mil from XP. We, we left he left on a free. You know, I think a good model for a club like ours. And it seems to be the model that they're adapting is to buy younger players, make them better and sell yeah. them on. And realistically, without Premier League, and, you know, ideally we'd be in the Premier League every year, which was obviously the model they were taking before. Um, but it, it, it's not realistic necessarily for a club like Burnley to be in the Premier every year. So it's a good model to have, you know, what, pay three and a half mil for Zorori. That's you, ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? You wouldn't be surprised if we got getting on for 10 times that when he left. Yeah. And, so just that it's a good model and you know in the meantime we get to watch and play brilliant football it's exciting you know Vincent company I'm sure didn't come to Burnley to be Burnley manager for the rest of his career no. but if he gets a better job um then it will be because he's got us promoted and yeah, then and we're in better we, shape yeah we look like uh you know a more appealing prospect for a manager of that kind of uh you know this kind of modern fresh you know young yeah. you know it's it's a club now that you that in some ways, you know, you, you perhaps want to take over rather than a club who's on the slump in the Premier League. It's a club that, you know, if we go up, say a company keeps us up and then he leaves, you know, we get someone of a similar profile, we're buying players of a similar profile. Yeah, definitely. A good model. So, um, you know, if, if we do lose people, Celebi, that's the reality of being a club like Burnley. You look at Brian, the amount of people they've lost recently to Chelsea. Yeah, but true. That's just how it is, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, I think I feel less concerned by that than I did when we were on the worry about losing Dash because we didn't know whether we were a one-trick pony, whether that was our one chance. The fact that Alan Pace was able to bring in company and attract these players, like the next move will feel different because, well, we've done it already. We've lost a really key manager, um, one that brought us a lot of success in a different way, and we were able to move on. I always said for a long time that we were a club that in desperate need of a rebrand and I feel like we've brought that. We've brought, there's a freshness about the club from the board from the board all the way down. We're attracting players. We're playing entertaining football. The fans have got a spring in the step again. We're far superior to them lot down the road. And as a business going forward, we're much more... Burnley in 2023 is much more attractive than the one 10 years ago. And I'm really excited to see where we go. Okay, it seems very it's very difficult because I don't want this podcast to come to an end because and I'm already sat there going like oh what do we talk about next we've talked about everything and I, I kind of want to start it all again and start uh, again from from the the beginning because I just want to relive this a long time but it is finished now and of course the Clarets have finished for the World Cup break and with the exception of Conor Roberts going away with Wales and now we're here this morning uh, Anna Zorori has been called up to the Moroccan side which is hugely exciting for him 99% of the squad will stay together we've got an opportunity to get some key injuries back and we also have the opportunity to build on um, what we've done in the first kind of half of the season um, which has got us top of the table now George, if you're if you are Vincent Company right now, what are you looking at in this mid this winter break? Um, a nice pint and a nice few pints. You know, reward yourself for some brilliant break. work. 
But but that being said, on on that sort of line, um, I think I think the players are all being given some time off to start with. Funnily yeah. enough, it did just bring thinking about that brought to mind that last night I did see on Zorori's Instagram that he was in Dubai. Uh, last night. Now, at the time, I was thinking, oh, you know, he started his holiday early. But now I'm thinking, maybe did he get a call from the Moroccan guys, you know, in the last couple of days, and then he's sort of stopping off at Dubai on the way to Qatar. It's quite handy, isn't it? Um, but yeah, when that news brought this morning, I was Conspiracy thinking, Conspiracy is... of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on, on, I'm absolutely delighted. It's so, it's we can't take it for granted, you know, seeing Burnley players in the World Cup. It's and definitely not. It, it's and it's it's so exciting to see how he plays against these clubs. I mean, I'm already, I've am i already been online looking for my Moroccan away shirt with Zorori on the back. Now, unfortunately, it's it's, it's hard to get them, but I am trying. Shocking. So, yeah, it, the, World <laughs> Cup, the World Cup, it will be fantastic to watch. Um, but in terms of us, you know, Burnley, um, I think, yeah, a nice period of rest. And I think company's more thinking, well, I think, I think he can just pat himself on the back. At the start of the season, he said in his like welcome interview, we need to be in and around the playoffs by the winter break. We have unbelievably exceeded that. And it still feels like there's so much more room for yeah, growth in this team. So it doesn't feel like we're stopping here. So I fully, I fully expect us to kick on the second half of the season. And, and I think what's promising is you can, you, you've seen how much the side has improved over the last three months. You know, yeah. from the games that Tom was talking about of of struggling to beat the the you know the Hull and Stoke and whatever them games were where we just couldn't score, you you don't see that these days. We we score against teams. We score plenty of goals against teams. I don't go into games thinking, oh, are we going to draw this one again? There's been so much growth in the team, not only on the attacking side but defensively as well. We were going through that period where we were conceding so many goals uh, yeah. to draw one all. That's just completely in our rearview mirror at the moment. So I think just the more time they spend together working with company system, they just it seems like second nature to many of them already. And, you know, you add into the mix, dare I say it, the likes of Scott Twine after the winter break and Westwood, who who can play a really important role for when Cork or Cullen, you know, need a rest or they're, they're suspended or whatnot. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of room to, for potential here. And then that's not even to mention the January transfer window. Adding yeah. a little bit of... Adding a little bit of spice in there, so yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of promise, plenty of things to look forward to, and I'm just buzzing to see Zorori uh, and Roberts in the World Cup, and not to mention, not to forget Trippier and Pope as well. And Vegas, he's still our player, you know. Don't forget. Yeah, and I'm I'm in camp, fully in camp, recall him. I, I, no, I like him. no, yeah. no, no. I am no. You do not he get let, he to let, bail he, on us. He left because we got relegated. He didn't want to play in that. You're not just disappearing because you no, don't want to graft in the championship. I'm not having this, George Poole. No, no, no. He, he left because he left cut, because cut, Van Hal said you need to play at a higher level to no, get into the World Cup no, squad. And look no. what it's paid. It's paid off. So. Not having it. I would sell him. He's <laughs> well gone. played, Vegos. Well played. Uh, he's gone. Um, it, hilariously, uh, Daddy Bromley, who does come out with some absolute pearls. Most of them, I can't with all good conscience share, um, just because it's terrible. Um, he did not take the news of Zorori getting called up well today. And I think you can probably imagine what he said. And I think imagine Popper Pool's probably very similar. He said to me, Great, he's been he's been called up to the World Club. He's either going to get injured or he's going to be that good and tear the World Cup apart that we're going to sell him immediately when he gets back, or he's going to do a corner and come back and be rubbish. I, listeners, I didn't have a response. 
I just didn't have a response. I just went, well, let's just see, Dad. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy it. Um, let's just finish off then very quickly with that World with, with that world Cup break, Tom. Um, George has lined us up nicely for that. We do have players um, on the sideline who are waiting to get fit and come back. Westwood and Scott Wine being the obvious two. Are there... Are there any tweaks that you want to see? Do you want those players to come in? How do you adapt this side or do you just leave it as it is? I think for me, and I'll, I'll set this on you to see, I think Teller's great, but I think he's been a bit in and out for me recently. So I'd be, I'd be happy to give Scott Twine a, a place when he comes in. But other than that, it kind of feels like this team is playing itself at the moment and I'd be worried if I were these injured players trying to get in. I think um, it's a you know it's a season where we're having to cram a lot of games in. We've been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. There was a lot of talk about how they all look knackered against Sheffield United. So they're all going to yeah, have a they did. Um, Westwood, you know, we've had uh, Cork, uh, Cork suspended. You know, uh, rested at Sunderland. Westwood would, would come in then. Um, I think there's obvious positions where all of the the, the players that are out would go. Um, so Twine could do the Brownhill job, or like you say, the Teller job. Uh, Chirling off, you've got. As a replacement for either Benson or Zorori. Uh, and like you say, Westwood can play that core for Cullen role. So the squad's been built with with them in mind, I think it's fair to say. Um I think we're all looking forward to seeing more uh, to seeing Twine at all. Um cheering off looks be nice to see him. I think cheering enough uh, when he came oh, God, in, I forgot about him. Three, didn't he? Of, of, like Benson, Zorori and Cheering off. I thought I was most impressed with Cheering off in the first year. Yeah. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if he's anywhere near them, their two level when he gets going, then that would just be scary, won't it? Imagine having having them to, to, to bring on. And, and that's the other point I was going to make as well. As you said, Teller, um, you know, uh, he's a bit in and out at the minute. He looked a lot better, I thought, coming off the bench. And we yeah. said the same about Benson. Um, you know, and uh, as we've said, tired legs, when they come on, it makes a difference. So imagine being, you know, uh, the manager of, let's say you're John Dal Thomason. It's at Ewood Park in March. You know, there's there's an hour gone. Um, your your plucky band of uh, of youth team uh, rejects and third division chances are, are clinging on nil nil. They're putting the bodies on the line. Uh, Darko chilling off and uh, and and uh, Anna are being subbed off. Oh, thank God! But but wait, here come Manuel Benson and Nathan Teller. Imagine imagine how his face would drop as we rattle another three goals in at the Darwin end. So. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. If we've got all them players fit and firing, it really is exciting. And, and like, like George said earlier, we might not have even seen the best of, of what the squad's got to offer. And if that's the case, then it's going to be a really enjoyable second half of the season. Well, I do not think we can go anywhere after that. I think that is the perfect, perfect ending to the Burnley are superior. Lancashire is Clariton Blue podcast special. Uh, before I do go, I've just had a message while I've been on air from producer Matt telling me that I need to tell you all about our Burnley Book special podcast. Uh, it's coming in the next couple of weeks over the World Cup break. Burnley fans, listen out for a Burnley Book special podcast coming in the World Cup. Details to follow. Um, my thanks as ever go to everybody who has contributed to this week's podcast. It has been a pleasure bringing you just... I think we held it together as well. I don't think we were too smug. Maybe we were a little bit smug, but you know what? It's been a long, long, long time since we asserted such a dominant performance over them lot and really showed them up to be the side that we've always known that they are. So, listeners, spend the entire World Cup enjoying that because them lot down the road have got a World Cup break where they're just feeling miserable and it feels kind of nice. 
we will be back after the World Cup break. We might nip in and out, depending on how our players do in the World Cup. We might come and speak to you if there's any news coming out of Turf Moor. We might jump on and have a little bit of chat with you. So keep an eye on socials. We'll let you know. But otherwise, enjoy the first ever winter break. Let's see how this one goes and see how it fares for future World Cups. I have been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.